The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm Damon Martin. He is UFC legend Matt Brown. He's training fighters, getting them wins, putting them through cages. From what I see, Matt Brown, what's going on? Yeah, you got it, man. Did y'all <laughs> see that? The, my boy Josiah putting the guy through the cage, WWE style. Dude, that was crazy. I saw the highlight on Instagram, and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" Like, dude, literally drove him through the cage. Did they, I mean, realistically, they must have just forgot to put the pin in. <laughs> I said, like, dude, somebody got fired like on the spot right there. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. But, yeah, it made for a great highlight. Yeah, dude, it's so crazy. Like I saw it. I saw it happen and didn't I did I realized like that was your guy. And I was like, oh my God, that's so wild. And then I saw the I saw the replays and I saw close-ups and stuff. I was like, good lord, that's so crazy. Like he drove him directly into the door. The door just flung open and he went right through it. But did you watch the whole fight? Because got the- looked absolutely amazing. That kid is a fucking stud. He got a win. I saw another one of your guys go. Was it a spinning back fist knockout the other one got? Yeah, it actually kind of landed on the elbow. So we're going to call it a spinning elbow, even though his <laughs> arm was straight. So. <laughs> but And, then, yeah, so we actually had three wins. Um, that was uh, Josiah, you know, that went through the cage. And then he ended up stopping his guy in the third round. Uh, Josh Pereira, my boy, um, one of my um, – you know, kind of one of my uh, ground up fighters, you know, one of the guys that I, I, I built from the ground up, um, been with me about three years now. He got a stoppage in the third round, three and oh now. And then uh, big Cam Kinzig, he was uh, a heavyweight. He moved to three and oh, also got a first round stoppage. Um, and then, of course, uh, sort of people we affiliate with, Jade Sheely, 
Um, she got a first round arm bar and uh, Chelsea Connors lost to um, Alex Pereira's sister, Aline Pereira. So that was a tough one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I didn't think she should have took that fight, but you know, she's not really my fighter. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough when that happens. And I know you've said many, many times when it's all said and done, when the career's over in the cage, you will end up being a better coach than a fighter. And I know you love coaching, so I'm sure it's a super high to ride like something like that. It's a big event, too. LFA is a great organization, you know, and they, they, they obviously feed a ton of fighters into other organizations. So it seems like a great place for them to be. Yeah, that's the whole thing, man. It was great. They came here locally, you know, pretty close. It was like a five-hour drive, so it wasn't that close, but <laughs> close enough where we get the guys on the card, go down there. Um, I was just very happy with all the guys' performances. Everybody did great, and – Hopefully they can go fight for LFA a few more times, show the UFC what they're about, maybe, you know, start looking towards getting LFA titles, show the UFC what they're about and get these guys, you know, again, Big Cam and Josh are both guys that I've trained from day one. You know, like they literally came into my gym with no experience. I mean, you know, they had like something, right? Like they weren't, um, you know, just complete novices, but, you know, a lot of the things they were doing were wrong and a lot of the things they were doing were uh, amateurish at best. Um, you know, so we basically, you know, they'll say like, we've taught them everything that they know. So, um, it's great watching these guys come up and then, you know, in a couple of years, they'll be in the UFC dominating guys in there. Do you, as a coach, I'm curious, Matt, like you, when you open your gym, like I know you've had a lot of guys come through there. Like I remember coming up there, uh, when Mickey Gall was in town, helping you get ready and working with you and you've had other experienced guys come in. So obviously you work with experienced guys too, and you'll help out, you know, guys who will come in and help you. You'll come and help them as well. But like, do you, is it a, is it a greater, I don't know what the word is, like greater pleasure, greater like joy watching somebody you've worked with since day one. Like, you know what I mean? Like you literally molded them into a fighter. Like not to say you don't appreciate work with veterans. Like when UFC guys come in and say, Hey Matt, I need your help. But like, is it cool? Is it a cooler feeling? Like when you've literally been there since day one for like the kid, like Pereira to see him come up and now he's like three and oh, like, is it, is it a better, I don't know. You tell me, like, I'm always curious about that because obviously as a mortal martial arts center grows, like I'm sure you're going to have more veterans come in there, but is it cool? Like being there, like literally since the first, day this guy started fighting yeah it's so much more fulfilling bro it just shows like like makes me feel better about the things that i'm teaching them right because <laughs> you know being a fighter and being a coach are two very very different things so once you kind of you, you know when you start uh, helping other guys you don't really know if what you're telling them is going to come true i mean you can tell them based off your own experience but your experience isn't their experience so you know what you're telling them isn't always going to carry over and then learning how to be unique with each individual, right? Like Cam, um, big Cam, like he responds very, very differently than uh, little Josh does. I don't know how to say little Josh, he's like 125 <laughs> pounder, you know, so it's like a 125 pounder and a heavyweight, right? But, you know, so they're, the training them is completely different. I'm in the middle in between them. Uh, so training them is different, but also how they respond, respond psychologically to different things is very, very different. They're extremely different types of individuals. Um, and even, you know, Josiah, he's a very, very different guy himself too. So, and, you know, he's more closer to my weight and we train together all the time, but yeah, it's, it's, I guess when I first kind of started coaching, it was really just imparting my experiences on them. And I've kind of learned better about, you know, how to make, how to, uh, uh, implant myself into their journey and how I can provide value to their journey versus, you know, just saying, look, this is what I do. So you need to do it too. 
Yeah, yeah. I, you've been like I know from talking to enough coaches who have been fighters that like the nerves you feel when you're fighting are far different from the nerves you feel when your fighters fighting. Like it's yeah. a whole different level of just nerves and anticipation. You've seen a lot of crazy stuff in your years, both you know in, in, in like amateur, like like in the local shows, and then obviously the UFC level. What was your reaction when the dude got drove through the cage? Because I can't imagine, like, you never prepare for that. And, like, it's dangerous, right? Like, the dude drives through the cage. Like, you could easily fall and get injured. I don't know. Like, it's so crazy. Like, I couldn't even imagine, like, what that would be like watching your guy. You know, he was the guy driving him through the cage. But obviously, the fight finished. Everyone was okay. But in that moment, I got to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, I'll tell you, first, when you talk about the nerves, yeah, the nerves are just different, right? Like, when we get nervous for ourselves before a fight, like it becomes a peace, uh, a peaceful uh, nerves, right? Like, like we are at peace with those nerves because we can control it and we know what we can do. Uh, so it's, you know, it's not like we don't get nervous when we're fighting. And uh, I would argue that anybody that says that they, um, that, that they don't get nervous is either stupid or they just simply don't care. You know, they, they may be psychotic or something or like sociopathic, <laughs> like that's a very, real possibility but generally it's either either you know that they're they're just too dumb to uh get nervous or they don't care and that's what i try to explain to a lot of guys like the reason that we get nervous isn't because we're afraid of getting hurt like we're all big boys we're not afraid of getting hurt we get hurt all the time um we're not necessarily some guys might be afraid of failure but most of us are not nervous about the failure we're nervous because we care Right. Like we have put a lot into this and we want to go out there and perform you know, the way that we expect ourselves to perform. And like I did a, a grappling competition when I tore my ACL just to come back and get some sort of competition. And I, it was amazing, like how nervous I got for that. And and that's when I started realizing, like, it's, dude, it's just because I care. It's not because, you know, we're afraid, like a grappling competition, you're not afraid of getting hurt. You're not afraid of losing. You know, I was like, I don't care. I just want to, you know, compete against fresh guys and see what, see how everything feels. But it's all about, you know, how much you care. So with that said, the the nerves when you're um, uh, <clears throat> coaching someone else, again, you care just as much, but there's nothing you can do about it. So you don't, it's hard to come to peace with those nerves. Whereas when it's you doing it again, you care just as much, but you can come to peace with it. Like we, we accept the fact that I might win, I might lose. Uh, I'm going to go out there and, and I'm, you know, I'm committed to victory, but I'm going to fucking accept whatever happens in there. Like I might die. I might, you know, break the arm or jaw or whatever. Um, you can't come to that peace when you're, coaching someone else yeah 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 that, that's true like you can't you can you can help them you can get them ready but you can't control what actually happens in the cage and so it's a different kind of feeling when you're on the outside looking at what about when josiah drove the dude through the cage like is that a nervous moment <laughs> well you know he fortunately he was on top of the guy when he drove him through the cage so uh i thought that what was going to happen was the dude was either going to be hurt like because i thought he was legitimately going to be hurt i mean they flew way out of the cage uh, but, you know, you got to give props to that dude, knowing how tough of a fighter and how good of a fighter Josiah is and how much uh, Josiah was dominating that guy. He walked right back in the cage and was ready to go again. And that guy did not give up. Josiah beat the hell out of him, did almost whatever he wanted to him. And that guy fought, um, you know, uh, tooth and nail to the fucking end. So 
Um, I give a lot of props to that guy. I can't remember his name, but he was a he was actually a way better fighter than I'd seen on video. He looked really good, performed well. Uh, but Josiah is just a really, really special guy. Honestly, one of the best athletes I've ever um, worked with in my life and just picks things up, you know, boom, boom, like that. And I mean, when I talk about his athleticism, like I, I just can't describe it, man. I don't know what it is in Ohio, you know, but we got some athletes like like nowhere else I've ever seen. Yeah, Mike Roberts was the kid's name. I just looked it up to make sure I had the name right. So, yeah, credit to him for sticking out. Because, like I said, when I saw that, I was like, oh, fight over. Because that's pretty nasty. And then he came back, and, you know, obviously Josiah finished him. Uh, I think it was in the third round. So, you know, that seems like undefeated prospect, obviously. So, uh, was he like 6-7-0 oh now? It seems like a guy who will definitely be on the rise uh, to a major promotion in the very near future, I'd imagine. Yeah, 7-0 oh with seven finishes, too. Like, he's... <laughs> literally i remember his uh, last fight before this i was talking to him after the dude took him down was on top and i mean this is how it wasn't necessarily the best idea but this is how good josiah is he was like i just wanted to see if i could submit him off my back <laughs> you know it, it wasn't that he was you know that he couldn't stop the guy's takedown but he literally was just like wanted to see if he could submit him off his back and he had a little bit of hard time with it so he's like okay well i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna finish you now <laughs> Yeah, that's literally how good he is. Yeah, you learn you learn on the job sometimes. So you know, good for him. Obviously, great prospect. Did I also see? And maybe I'm crazy. I think I saw. Did I see that Coley is taking a fight of celebrity boxing match in October? Did you see this? <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark Coleman, the legend, making a comeback and uh, making a comeback in a, in a celebrity. I saw this. I saw it on. I knew it was real. I saw Mark. Call, I saw Mark post it on Facebook, and I was just like. This is I like. Am I living in a bizarre world? Like, what's going on here? He's doing celebrity boxing. It's so random. Yeah, yeah. It was the guy, and it's actually against a really good boxer, a dude. That uh, Montel Griffin, a guy you guys may not know that name, but some of you are gonna remember because we used to watch Roy Jones all the time. We all used to love watching Roy Jones. Roy Jones' first loss was to Montel Griffin. Now, to be fair. He didn't actually beat Roy Jones. Roy Jones knocked him down, hit him while he was still on, uh, while he was on his knees, and got disqualified. <laughs> so, so it's not like he actually beat Roy Jones, but he's a legitimate boxer. He got in there and got the fight with Roy Jones. So uh, it's gonna be fun to watch, man. You know, Coleman doesn't look. I know in his videos he don't look like he's that great of a boxer, but I'll tell you what: when he moves around, when he touches you. Like he will knock a fucking head right off, man. <laughs> and I don't like I don't care about his age and all that, but um, you know, people worry about his age and his health and all these things. Uh, but he's doing well for himself. He's doing it for fun. He's not doing it uh because he's broke and poor or anything. He's not doing it uh for all the clout and none of that. Like he's doing it because he purely wants to compete and wants to get out there and have some fun. That's awesome. No, I, I know he's worked really, really hard. We all know the story. Of course, we've talked on here before about you know, getting clean and sober and the work he's put in to kind of put himself back in this position. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Like, he seems like he's happy. Um, 
obviously grinding every day at the gym and that competitive that competitive fire never gets extinguished like you know what i mean like you could be 70 years old you'll still want to do something competitive that's just the drive that guys like you have so you know i mean like i said have fun with it and obviously you know if, if he was doing a full-on mma fight and they're like we're gonna put him back in the ufc probably have an issue with that because the guys had hip replacements and stuff but you know celebrity right. boxing and montel griffin if i'm not mistaken is right around the same age it's not like he's like you know some 30 yeah. 30 year old boxer in his prime or anything you know what i mean so there's a little less risk there i mean there's still risk obviously but you know it's not like he's taking on some you know young 30 year old you know prime boxer so uh yeah good for him man i'm happy for coley I, I, you know, this is like the the comeback story of all time for that guy and i'm so happy for him that's exactly it and if there's any risk it's for the other guy because if coleman lands one of those punches it's gonna hurt bro i'm telling you right now that dude has got power for days did you guys bust they, out they, the did, did you guys bust out the hammer house uh the, the hammer house punching bag to get him ready <laughs> <laughs> he's up He's punching something every day. I can tell you that. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that's awesome. It, he's so stoked and he's having a lot of fun. So, you know, I, I, everybody talks, uh, uh, well, not everybody, but a lot of people talk a lot of shit. But look, let the guy have fun, man. He's earned it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, no one's worked harder to get back to where he's at. And I know we talked about this on a past episode, but like, Dude, I couldn't wish anything better because we we know we know Mark Coleman and you know him far you know him even better than I do. But I've been around him for many many years. We know what he went through. We know what he's gone through to get to this point. And like, I'm just happy he's happy. Like, I know that sounds weird, but I'm just happy that he's happy doing what he's doing and kind of putting things together now. And so it's just like I said, dude, I'm you couldn't you couldn't form, find more joy uh, for a person than, than than me for him. Just that he's in the in the position he's in right now. That's exactly it, man. Same here. So. Um, it'd be exciting to see and he's going to be ready. I love it. I love it. So let's get in a little bit of the news from this past week. And I want to, I want to open this by talking about something we're going to, we're going to kind of, we're going to, we're going to handle with kid gloves, Matt, because obviously when serious allegations get thrown out about anybody, I don't care who you are fighter or not. Um, you know, we all have to live under the assumption of innocent until proven guilty. So we're not even going to talk about the allegation as much, but I think everyone knows at this point, this past week, there was an allegation made against Conor McGregor for a sexual assault that allegedly happened at a Miami Heat basketball game during the NBA Finals. He's being accused. I know that, you know, all the stories are out there. The police are investigating. There's, you know, some conversations going on. And I've received statements from Conor's lawyer saying they completely denied the charges, the allegations. And, you know, he will not be, you know, he will not be intimidated, I believe is the quote. Um, so I'm not, I'm not even getting... I'm not even getting into the allegations because that's just not that's not what we're here for. Like I said, we don't know what happened. We'll let it play out in the courts. You know what I mean? Like we'll let it play out in the courts and and, and deal with it that way. But here's what I want to talk about, Matt. You know, you've been very open and said, like, you know, you don't think Connor is ever coming back. And I know there's been an even buzz lately. Like we talked about him fighting Michael Chandler in um December now as of the latest USADA update he hasn't been tested now that being said doesn't mean he's not in the pool just being in the pool like I think like you know people mis mistake the testing versus the pool you can be in the pool and not be tested there's a lot of fighters who are in the pool who don't get tested a lot um or maybe you know they go six months without testing it just depends on what USADA is doing so he may be back in the testing pool and we just don't know it but the t the clock is ticking as far as making a fight in December there was already concerns about that and now this happens i guess what i'm getting at matt here with this conversation is just like 
this is not the first incident that's happened with Connor, obviously. Like, over the last few years, Connor's name has been in the headlines far more times for things he's done outside the cage than what he's doing inside the cage. Obviously, we all know about the incident in Ireland with him punching the guy at the bar. I think this is the third sexual assault allegation. Again, he's never, you know, in terms of arrested and convicted, none of that's happened. Again, being clear about that. But I'm kind of curious, like, is there, like, Connor's the biggest star in the sport. And, and, and we know, you know, all, all, you know, we know ultimately, like, he has more leeway than the average fighter. We've seen, I mean, it, it's cut and dry. We've seen fighters get arrested on other kinds of charges, like domestic violence charges. And the UFC's just dropped them. Like, they've just released them. Now, we know that's not going to happen with Connor, But, like, when is, when is enough enough? Like, we all understand. Like, again, I'm not talking about the allegation because we don't know exactly what happened. But, like, the fact that these things keep happening, like, at what point is 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 too much like is there a draw is there a line is there ever a line for a guy of connor star power yeah first off is there a list of people that are in the pool is it or is it only just people that have been tested just people that have been tested they don't they don't release who's actually in the pool but yeah like if you're i mean basically the list gets updated every week and it'll show you who's been tested uh like right before your fight i posted like how many times you and court have been tested i do that for a lot of fights um yeah, so that's out there, but we don't know. We don't know who, and 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 the thing is, like Henry Cejudo, like when he got back in, he got back in the pool, and I think it was like maybe a month later when the update happened, we saw he got tested. You know what I mean? Like he got back in there, so Connor could be in the pool. We just he has he may not have been tested. The last update I think was June fifteenth, which is five days ago. So um, yeah, he could be in there. We just don't know. I, I've reached out to Usada. They've yet to get back to me about like whether or not he's actually in. But they said. He's getting back in. We just don't know that with 100%, you know, accuracy. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see if he actually comes back because, again, I'm still not convinced. And, uh, you know, these types of things that happen to stars a lot, I guess, right? Especially my big question is, like, is Connor putting himself in these positions where people have the opportunity to make these types of allegations, right? Like, I, in my opinion, you know, not not that I'm anyone to tell anyone how to live their life, but I would lay low if I was him. You know, if someone's making these allegations, that means that at minimum, you know, there were people around that had the opportunity to make these allegations, right? There were other women, at least in the same room that he was speaking to or, or you know, or hanging out with or something, right? Like, it has to be a, a minimum that. Am I wrong on that? Like, if he's not even, like, in the vicinity of other people, of other women, then they can't make these allegations. But if they're even in the vicinity, then that potential, you know, especially like partying or doing, you know, whatever he's doing, you know, being a wild man or whatever, you know, now you have the potential for these allegations. Yeah, that's, I I think that's the larger point here. It's like not even getting into whether he's guilty or innocent. I agree. Like you, you, you put yourselves in the, you put yourself around these situations and this is, like I said, the third time something like this has come up. Um, and we, we do listen, we do know, and listen, you know, we understand celebrities can be targets of things like this when you're a, you know, high powered, a lot of money, these things. I understand that. But at the same time, like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're that like you, well, you, you know, as well as I do, like when you're, you know, we're not like worse, I'm certainly not wealthy, but like. When you see enough, like when you see stories about major celebrities, I'm talking about like the the top, you know, I mean, talking like, you know, Jay-Z and, you know, guys who have all the money in the world, like 
generally speaking, they don't put themselves into a position because they know they're a target. Like they know that that can happen to them. So they have, they're surrounded by security and they only put themselves in situations where they know the people they're around with and all those kind of things. Like you don't generally see, you know, Jay-Z getting into a club fights, you know, <laughs> like that's just, just, you know, yeah, right. he's got, he's got enough money that he can, you know, he has bodyguards to get into fights for him or whatever the case may be. And like, we all know Connor has more money than you and I will see in 10 lifetimes. Like, you know what I mean? But like, he just, it's like he's a it's like he's a magnet to these bad situations like you know what I mean and also I think there's also what I think the worst part about this is and and I'm not again being clear not speaking about this particular allegation but let just talking about like the punching the guy in the bar in Dublin when that happened when you have so much money at your disposal and lawyers that are high powered and can you know deal with the courts and negotiations and all these like I won't say that you feel above the law, but you feel far less consequences in that situation because you know you can probably pay your way out of most things. Like a lot of people, I mean, listen, if Connor walked up to me right now and punched me in the face and the cops arrested him and Connor said, listen, man, I'm sorry I did that. Here's $5 million and we'll just let it go. And I'd be like, drop the charges. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I would do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like a punch in my face is not, you know, say it's $5 million. Like I, I don't, you know, sure. Pay me off. Like th- there's that, that's what I'm talking about. Like when you have that kind of money and that kind of influence, like you almost feel above the law. And I think that's, that's part of the problem here. A- again, this well, is just a, and that's th- exactly my point. These women are going to see that potential. So all they need is a little bit of a situation. You know, I, again, I have no idea if he did it or not. Right. No one here is making allegations or, or accusing anyone of anything. But the fact that you're even in that situation where they have the potential to do that, you know, someone's not advising you the right way. Someone's not taking having your back. Someone's not telling you uh, the right things that you need to be doing. Um, you know, and dude, I deal with that shit myself. Like I've had, you know, my own girlfriend has fucking women texting her or messaging her saying, oh, I did this with Matt or whatever. And it's like, you know, and that's not even you know, they're not trying to get money or anything. They're just being bitches, you know, like there's bad people out there, you know, that want to take advantage and fuck up your life, even if they're not getting anything out of it. So, you know, and now, especially when you start adding money into the equation, yeah, it's just a, um, it's just bad news all around, man. So, you know, if I were advising him, which I'm not, and, you know, never will, never would, I'd advise him to fight me if I advise him anything. (laughs) But if I was, I would be like, keep the fuck out of those situations. Like, like, what are you doing around other women anyway? Like, why, why do they even have a chance to say this shit? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the bigger issue is like, you know, okay, you're, you're at a Miami heat game. You're at a, you're at a club and you're just milling around with people. And it's like, why are you like, why are you there? You know, I'm not saying the guy shouldn't have a life. Like, I'm not saying that you, you can have a life. I'm not saying the guy shouldn't have a life. Absolutely should. But like, choose your circles like choose where you're at like you know what i mean like you got and you got enough money and influence to where you can say hey i want to i want a roped off vip section for me and my friends okay then it's just him and his friends you know what i mean just him and his friends um that happens we know that that happens all the time with celebrities that's pretty commonplace for celebrities. you go you can go to a club where a celebrity's at and i guarantee you're not getting within 10 feet of them because that's how right. it works like they have a separate section you're not getting in there unless you know them or they know you um i just like and you then, keep put you keep I putting think, yourself in adds, this i was gonna say i think it, it adds a little bit to it too when you know someone knows who he is and they know that he's had allegations before too right they're like 
you know, now it puts that thought in that person's head. Oh, I can go take advantage of him easy. Like he's already, you know, everybody already thinks that of him. Like this is going to be, you know, this is just a fucking easy target. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of like Andrew Tate and stuff, but like I heard he just got arrested again this morning. And, you know, it may be the exact same thing there, right? Like putting yourself in that situation and like your name's already tarnished. Like people already think that about you. So someone's going to see that and they know that, that that's what people are thinking. All they, like, it's, it's just an easy target for them. I mean, it's just low hanging fruit for, you know, some gold digger. Um, and that's not, you know, who knows if anybody, you know, if any of these people did this stuff, but it, again, you know, we can't say it enough, right? Like, why are you in the situation where it's even a possibility? Yeah. And, and you, when you, we talked about this before I, I was listening to, uh, morning combat my friend luke thomas and uh, brian campbell do that show and they said something i don't want to misquote exactly what they said but they said the second half of connor's career has been just a disaster when you look at like pre-mayweather to post-mayweather you know pre-mayweather he was the biggest star in the world top fighter maybe one of the top pound for pound guys in the world two division champ all these kind of things post mayweather as we've said his name has been in the headline far more for things he's done outside the cage or losses you know what i mean it's been losses the broken leg, the loss of Khabib, and then a million legal instances of, you know, getting arrested for punching the guy, getting arrested for this, getting in trouble for this, getting in trouble for that. Um, it's been an unmitigated disaster. When we talked about this a few weeks back, and I hate to, I, I don't want to keep, listen, people get sick of, you know, sometimes get sick of talking about Connor. Listen, he is the biggest star in our sport. When something like this happens, we have to address it. But here's the thing. When we had this conversation a few weeks ago, and we talked about him coming back and fighting Chandler with the Ultimate Fighter and everything, and you said very openly, I don't think he's ever coming back. I don't think he's fighting. And even I at that time was like, come on now. Like, it's Connor. He loves fighting. He's going to be back. With this whole situation popping up, and now, like, we're not sure is he going to fight in December. We've heard all these rumors about, like, there's still no deal in place for him to fight Michael Chandler, all these kind of things. Like, I'm starting to come around to your way of thinking, Matt. Like, I'm just like, I, I don't know if this, like, these things keep happening and, and like all these things are outside and I'm not saying like the UFC is not going to release and we all know that, but like maybe he just fades away. Like, I don't know like how serious is this guy about fighting again? If this is where you're at, like if this is what you're doing, you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to make an appearance at the Miami heat game and have a fun little skit where you punch the mascot and everyone kind of love, you know, whatever. And he's doing a tour, you know, he's doing a tour of media and stuff to promote the ultimate fight. That's one thing. But to then go like nightclubbing and, and going out and doing all that kind of stuff. Like, are you serious about fighting again? You said it. And I was like, no, no, no. Connor's serious, but I'm not so sure anymore. Like, I'm not sure if we've already seen the last of Connor McGregor. And then even if he does somehow fight again, which I, again, I'm not confident in, um, I'm like maybe 80, 20, he's never fighting again. But even if he does, like we, have a decent idea when we don't know his day-to-day -day life or anything, but we have a decent idea of the lifestyle that he's living. Like it, he's not going to get in there and get grimy again. Right. He's not going to do that underground hardcore training where he's getting fucking pounded every day and working his way out of bad position. I just don't see that. It could be wrong. Right. Like we, we have no fucking clue, you know, truthfully, but I don't see it. I don't, you know, all, all we can go by is what we see in the news and media. And I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone would disagree, right? We don't see it at all. 
Yeah, and and that's like I said, that speaks to the larger issue of like and everything. Like this is this is what we're talking about with Connor right now. We're not talking about man, the fight's booked. He's getting you know Michael Chandler December. Right. It's gonna be great. Like fights ready to go, man. Tr- training camp started. We've seen the videos. This is what we're talking about, and this is unfortunately seems to be like more of what we talk about with Connor these days, right? Like we talk about like he got arrested here, he does this or he does that or you know he said this or said that or gets into a you know like the whole Artem Lobov situation or whatever it is. It's just not fight related. Like we like we the biggest thing, the biggest thing we've talked about with Connor in the last year has been the USADA thing. We had, you know, a couple episodes talking about that and you know and and obviously that whole situation but, like, we still are not really talking about him fighting. Like, we still really have no idea. Like, is he going to fight in December? Is he going to fight next year? Um, I don't know. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, when you said that before, I was like, no, Matt, he's going to fight again. Like, he's going to come back. I'm not so, – like, you – I just, like, with all this going on, it's like, man, I'm – now I'm kind of on the fence where I'm like, is he actually going to come back? Like, I was, I was like, 80-20 the other way. I was 80-20, he's going to fight. Now I'm kind of like 50-50. Like, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know because these situations keep coming up where it's something that is just horrifically bad for him. And, again, maybe it is him. Like you said, we don't know the situation. Maybe this is bad behavior. We don't know. But you keep putting yourselves in these situations. You keep putting yourself here where you become a target of this and and, and things happen. Like, dude, like, it's like I know this is a different story but I remember when I hear about, like, I remember when I heard about John Jones having a DUI a few years ago. And I was like, John, why are you driving yourself? Like, dude, you have all the money in the world. Why do you not have a driver? Like, you have enough money to have a professional driver driving you wherever you go. Like, when you when we go to UFC events, Matt, you know this. Like, when Dana White shows up to a press conference in, you know, Chicago, He's typically not driving himself. There's a big SUV that pulls up, driver, you know, he comes out the side door, very, you know, that's pretty common, right? I'm like, dude, why are you driving yourself? Like, you can afford a professional driver. Why are you out drunk driving at 2 o'clock in the morning? Um, and this is, I know it's well, separate, speaking, with con- but, like, you keep getting in these situations. I mean, speaking of John Jones, I was literally just thinking about him while we were talking about all this, and, Dude, it kind of like speaks to his greatness a little bit more. Look at all the shit that he's been through. Just like, you know, a lot of the stuff that Connor has been through, you know, and well, a lot of similarities, obviously like completely different situations, but a lot of similarities. And this motherfucker just keeps coming back and keeps <laughs> smashing everybody, staying undefeated, you know, two division champion now and no signs of him stopping whatsoever. Like, you know, when you talk about, you know, how great of a fighter he is, I mean, if Connor can come back from this shit, you know, more power to him, you know, like that's a lot of shit to come back from and a lot of shit to deal with mentally. But like John Jones, it seems like it just doesn't even phase him at all. You know what I'm saying? Like every single thing that happens to him, he's like, nah, it's fucking bullshit, whatever. I'm going to go beat somebody's ass this weekend. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I think there's a different drive in John. You know what I mean? Like John is, and John is uber talented too. I mean, that doesn't hurt the fact that he's like one of the most talented guys ever. But yeah, like he, like with John, when John goes through these situations, I never question it. Like it's awful what these things happen. And I think even John would say they're awful and he, he wishes they didn't happen. Um, but he always, but there's never been a doubt of him coming back. Right. And, and he comes right. back and it seems like he comes back better, which is scary. Um, with Connor, 
you know, we already said, like, maybe the best has passed him by. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've said openly, I don't think he'll ever be a champion again. And the only reason I think he has a chance at that is because he's Conor McGregor. And if he wins one fight spectacularly, then they'll be, oh, fight for a title. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's just how the UFC operates because Conor's a star. But, like, outside of that, like, in terms of actual skill level, like, I don't see Conor being one of the be- absolute best guys in the world. Can he still be very good? I still think so. I think so. Um but now at this point with all this going on and all the other stuff happening, like, I just don't know, man. Like, I just don't know if the drive's there. I don't know if the hunger's there. Like, dude, if you're that hungry and you're that, like, I'm not saying you have to eat, breathe, sleep, MMA, because we all need a break, right? Like, we all need a, you know, a break from the, the cycle. But, like, he's been out for over two years and he's supposed to fight in December. Like, wouldn't you, like, at this point, like, your, your, your fight is supposedly six months away. Wouldn't you already be like, I'm buttoning down, I'm tightening things up, I'm getting, you know, getting back in, I'm coming off a broken leg. I need to be, I need to be in the gym. I need to be working with good people. I need to be working towards this right. goal. And I don't see any of that. Like, we don't, and again, like you said, maybe he is quietly in the shadows, but every public, you know, personification of Connor has been he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is exactly right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about John, right? He, he kind of comes out and does some, you know, weird shit or whatever, or, you know, like DUI or like hitting the lady, you know, all these crazy things. But you never question, like, if he went to the gym the next day, you know what I mean? Like, he, like we could see him out in Vegas on a Coke binge and, and fucking you know, drunker and shit and all this. And then we'd be like, okay, yeah, he'll probably still be in the gym next week with Connor. Like we don't feel that. I mean, we really have no idea, but it certainly doesn't feel that way just from, you know, everything that we're seeing. Right. Yeah. It doesn't like it. And again, you said it before we even knew any of this stuff going coming up. You already said, like, even when I said he's getting back into you saw a testing pool, you're like, that's interesting. Yeah, still don't know if he's going to fight again. And I, again, I, I didn't buy it. And you were right. Like, I'm coming around to your way of thinking, Matt. Like, I'm just like, maybe we have seen the last of Connor already. Like, maybe that's it. Like, what we have, the memory of him in the cage with Dustin Poirier. Maybe that's the last memory we ever get of him in the cage. Maybe that's it. Maybe he walks away um, and just, you know, fades into fades into the mist, so to speak, and just, you know, lives at home in Ireland with his family. Because, good God, the guy does not need to go out in public anymore. Because it seems like every time he's out in public, some crazy shit happens. I have a hard time believing he's going to fade away and and just be, yeah, he's always going to be in the news. He loves being in the news, I think. And I think he loves his name being out there, but uh, whether he actually comes back and fights is a completely different story. Yeah. It's, it's just, again, it's, it's just, when I say unfortunate, because obviously like with serious allegations like this, like you, you know, again, we'll wait till, you know, whatever happens in the court system, but like, it's just, it's just like, I, I, when I use the word sad, I mean it like in the way like, man, it's just like, dude, like, again, this is a guy who was on, t- on top of the freaking world six years ago, not that long ago. And now, like I said, it just seems like every time we talk about him, it's not good. Like, it's never like a positive story. Like, we're not talking about, oh, man, did you see that, that sparring session? Or, man, did you see this? Or, wow, did you see him? No, it's never that. That's the problem. It's never that. Like, every time we talk about him, it's something bad. Or, you know, he's not in the USADA testing pool. Or he said this. Or, he does, you know what I mean? Like, that's not good. Like, that's, you know, like you said with John, like, John will make you forget about the stupid things he's done because he'll get back in the cage and be amazing. Yeah. And you kind of, I'm not saying it, it certainly doesn't excuse the behavior, but it, you, you kind of move beyond it. Like Connor just keeps piling on things. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. You know, they don't excuse the behavior, but we certainly forget about it. When we, when we watch them go in there and beat up surreal gone in, you know, two minutes or whatever it was, you know, you're like, all right, well, you know, he fucked up, but he's still a great fighter. And that's what we love. That's what we love about him. Right. That's where fight fans, that's what we care about. You know, it's just like if a movie star does something stupid and then, you know, he goes and makes a great movie. We kind of forget about the stupid thing he did. We like him because he's a fucking movie star. Yeah, so, it's true. Yeah. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's true. Speaking of John Jones, did you see this past weekend he was out cornering at the PFL and like a weird, awkward kind of face off with Francis Ngannou, who was also there, which was so bizarre. Like it was, it was fairly friendly. They were talking a little trash. Like John said, you don't want no smoke. And you know, Francis is like, you know, why did it take so long for you to come back? And John said, how's your wrestling? Like they were having some fun with it. Here's the thing I said about this. It was fun. I watched it. It was fun. I covered, I wrote about it. It was fun. But somebody said something to me on Twitter and it's true. Like as much fun as we're having with this, Let's just be honest. They're never going to fight ever. It's not going to happen. John signed an eight fight deal to stay with the UFC. He's going to retire in the UFC. And I don't see Francis ever coming back to the UFC. Francis, I don't know how many fights he signed with PFL. I'd imagine it's like three or whatever. Um, but he's 36. It's not like he's 30. It's not like he's 29 years old and getting started with this. He's 36. I think he's the same. I think he's the same age or older than John. So like, 
as much fun as we have talking about this, like we got to kind of let it go. Like I understand like, and, and listen, if John says something about Francis, I'm going to write about it. Francis says something about John, I'm going to write about it. Cause it's two of the biggest names in our sport. But like the reality is they're never going to fight. It's sad. It sucks. I hate it, but they're never going to fight. I think this is one of those sports where never say never Damon. <laughs> <laughs> But they're probably never going to fight. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think you hit it spot on. It's, it's hard to imagine them ever fighting. But you can never say never in a sport. You know how crazy this fucking sport is, man. Every There's always something new crazy happening every week, and there's always something, uh, you know, some new deal being made or whatever. Um, so yeah, like you said, we might as well forget about it. But that was a fun little exchange they had and, uh, you know, kept them both in the news and gave them both, uh, you know, I had a little fun, you know, that, that's about all they could do now. And it kind of sucks that that's all they could do. Cause I want to see that fight. You want to see that fight. The fans want to see that fight, but it is what it is. It's over. Yeah. Well, what's, what's you know, really if they do fight. It's not going to be, it's not going to be in their prime. You know, like yeah. if somehow something gets made, it's not going to be in the next year. It's not gonna be the next two years. You know, that like I could see them doing a celebrity fight, you know, 10 years <laughs> from now. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like some silly shit like that. That's why I said never say never. But in their primes, yeah, it's a dead fucking cause, man. What's crazy is, um, you know, John is John's going to move forward from this. And John still has, you know, because the UFC is the UFC. Like John, in theory, November, him and Stipe, that's still a massive fight. Stipe, greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. I've heard. I haven't. It's still rumored, still hasn't been booked, but rumors, that's what they're right? that's what they're that's what they're targeting is November at Madison Square Garden. Um from what I hear, Steve is yoked. He's like two fifty now, like yoked, like put on a lot of muscle and size, from what I hear. Um so yeah, that looks like it's gonna be you know, in theory November. That's the fight though. But if it's not him, your boy, Sergey Pavlovich, the guy you've been riding and dying for on this show since forever. Uh he's gotta be obviously gotta be winner of Curtis Blades, he's the number one contender. Obviously, that's not as big of a fight as Stipe, but hypothetically, John could fight him. There's other guys out there. I watched some of the PFL card this past weekend with the heavyweights, and they had you know a couple guys out there. Dennis Goldsoff had a big win. Anti Delizia, who's their last champion, got a win. A couple other guys were out there. But when I saw the whole face-off with John, and I was like, okay, you're man, this is great for PFL, get a lot of attention for a fight they can never promote. And I'm like, this yeah. is what this is the problem that Francis is going to run into. And I know we talked about this before, but it just drove home what we talked about. Like, who is he going to fight? Like, who is he going to fight in PFL? That's actually good? like everyone. Everyone keeps bringing up Fabrizio Verdum as like the one name out there. And Fabrizio is like 46 now. Like Fabrizio Verdum, and I'm like, okay, yeah, he's a name. But is Fabrizio Verdum at 45, whatever he is now, the same Fabrizio Verdum that tapped out Fedor? No, let's be honest with ourselves. It's not the same dude. Um, but that's where we're going. We're like, ooh, Junior Dos Santos, a guy who's unfortunately not been at his best these last few years. Like, who is Francis going to fight? Like, they're promoting him fighting John Jones, but they can't promote him fighting John Jones. Like, it's so right. crazy. Like, that's where that's the. And listen, Francis is going to get made eight, you know, eight million dollars, ten million dollars, whatever he gets paid. He's going to make his money, and and I'm sure he doesn't really care. 
But that's the problem he's going to run into is like, who does he fight? Like who, like right. this past weekend, Vadim Nimkov got a big win in Bellator and he's talking about going up to heavyweight. Why? Cause they don't have a ton of people for Ryan Bader to fight right now. And Ryan Bader already you know, lost to Vadim Nimkov. Heavyweight is just not a deep division, Matt. Like it's just not a super deep division. Who is Francis going to fight? There's a reason why he was staring down with John Jones and not the number one heavyweight in PFL. Right. Yeah, and if he stares down with a number one heavyweight heavyweight in PFL or even Bellator, just outside of the UFC, there's not even any names. Even if the guys are great fighters, even if they could be UFC champions or whatever, they're not names. And that's a problem, right? Like, like no one's going to care. I mean, we will because it's Francis, So, but how many you know mainstream casual fans are going to care? Not well, that many, you're also asking people when Francis fights to plunk down money. They're they're considering him a pay per view star. So right. if you're going to charge, let's say fifty dollars to watch. And I love Francis. This isn't a knock on Francis, and I, I'm glad Francis got his money, and I'm glad he got the deal he's happy with. But like when you're banking on a guy to sell pay per views, like are people going to be like Francis is fighting, you know, Anti Delizia or Dennis Golsoff? Are people really going to get excited about that? Are people going to plunk down fifty dollars? to watch that like that's the problem is and listen because francis we said this before like francis was not a massive ufc star it wasn't like the guy fought and every time he fought he sold a million pay-per-views he wasn't that dude right. um so yeah like if he fights junior dos santos can they promote that sure you know could he you know could there be some people who buy a pay-per-view for that maybe but like long term is that a viable is that a viable business plan although you know, we've all heard these rumors. PFL may be buying Bellator. Maybe they're going to bring in some guys from Bellator and do it. I don't know. But, like, yeah, that that struck me watching that face. I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. John's going to go on from this. John will fight Stipe, and we'll all kind of forget about Francis. Who's Francis going to fight that's going to move him on from John Jones? I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, no, again, no one's going to care other than the hardcore fans, right? We want, we want to see Francis fight, but how is it going to get promoted to the level where they're selling massive pay-per-views and, and getting some ROI on this? And, you know, we talked about it before, um, about, you know, the entire deal and the structure and everything. And it's not looking too great, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, maybe he gets to fight a boxing guy and then everything, you know, evens out and it's all worth it, but you know, fighting, you know, any of these guys you just named. I mean, I can't, you know, even, even Verdum or Dos Santos, it's like, that's great, you know, as long as he wins in spectacular fashion, then maybe they got something to build on. But, you know, I mean, what if he loses to one of those guys? Like, don't tell me Verdum can't submit him. You know, yeah. I, I, Verdum come in with a fucking rolling Eminari leg lock <laughs> and pull off some crazy shit, you know? Like, like he's wild like that. He doesn't have anything to lose. And he's going to get paid good. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation for him. But I hope it works out, man. I hope they figure out a way to make all this work out and and where we all get, um, you know, excited to see a fight and 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 everybody gets to see it. You know, like, I, I want to see something good here. I want to see something good come out of this situation. I'm with you. I do, too. I, and like I said, you will not find anybody rooting harder for Francis and Gandhi to find success. Like, I hope he does. And, and the reality right. is... The reality is we need, you know, we need organizations like this to succeed because it can't just be the UFC. Like, I know you're a UFC ride or die. You're going to end your career there. And I totally understand that. Um, 
But like I said, we need that kind of like, how, how does the UFC get better? It's because other people are willing to pay fighters. So they said, well, you know what? We got to pay more too. Like we got to, you know, if the PFL is willing to pay this guy $100,000, we want to keep him. We'll pay him one fifty. That's how it works. Like that's how it, you know, when you control the market and you can decide the pricing, well, you don't have anywhere else to go. So we're going to pay you 80 grand. Like we're not going to pay you a hundred. We're going to pay you 80 because you have nowhere else to go. So we need organizations to succeed. So by no means am I saying that I want them not to succeed. Exactly. Like, I, I do get a little concerned, like PFL buying Bellator. I'm sure you've heard this rumor and everything. Like We don't know for sure what's going to happen. Maybe it will not happen. I've heard rumors that there are buyers for Bellator, maybe not necessarily just the PFL. So we'll see how this whole thing plays out. But it sounds like Bellator is on the chopping block. Like They're going to get sold somewhere. And I would argue right now, Bellator has the deepest, the deepest roster in the sport outside of the UFC. I mean, they have an incredibly good roster right now. Yeah. Like they have Vadim Nimkov's a monster. Sergio Pettis got a big win over the weekend. Patricio Pitbull's still very, very good. Patchy Mix is a monster. Obviously they got Chris Cyborg. Um, they've got legit welterweights. I mean, they've got legit lightweights. Like they've got a really solid, obviously Usman Nurmagomedov. That dude's a beast. Like dude's a monster. Um, they've got a really good a roster right now. They've done a great job recruiting. You know, they've pulled out some guys, uh, uh, some NCAA wrestlers too. You know, like they they've done a great job of scouting guys and pulling guys in that have a lot of potential in the future. And I think that's one of the biggest things, right? Like even like their champions right now and the guys that they're kind of promoting right now are great. But I think when you talk in terms of roster, the up and comers that they have are absolutely. They're really on point with these guys. Like yeah. Aaron Pico, for instance, is a great, you know, you know, just what a prospect they have there, you know, just for example. Yeah. Well, that and that's the thing I think, I mean, and that's got to be the PFL's interest in this, right? Like, because when you look at the PFL's roster, they do have some good young guys, but they also have a lot of like veterans, guys who have been yeah. around for a while and, you know, you need to inject that. Like, there's a reason why there's interest there because the PFL's roster, just being brutally honest, is not that deep. Like, they have good fighters. Don't get me wrong. Like, they have good. I like Brendan Lochnane. Obviously, he just suffered an upset loss recently. He's a really good fighter. Um, you know, I think obviously they've had other people. Obviously, Kayla Harrison was a star for them for a while, for a long time, and still around. Larissa Pacheco has really reignited her career being over there, and she seems like a legit monster. Um, they have good fighters there, but it's just not nearly as deep like it's just like they were still signing the anthony pettises of the world and the rory mcdonald's trying to get that last like ounce of fight left in them to kind of build them whereas bellator has built like ground roots up like i said usman yeah. Nurmagomedov, patchy mix you know guys like that patricio pitbull i mean he's been there forever but like patricio pitbull is a great example of that vadim nimkov guys who have been there for years and kind of built themselves up in bellator PFL would be like, I know that's why PFL has to be interested because they want the roster. Like that roster is, is good right now. Like that's a really strong roster. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's a, you know, them coming together, even if I'd like to see, like, even if they don't buy them, like just co-promote work together somehow. And I don't know if that's even a possibility. Uh, you know, I don't know if they have the same kind of um, strict policies that the UFC kind of works with. I would imagine that they don't, but um, it would make sense to me, like co-promote, have some fun with it, give the fans some new, you know, fresh, you know, whether it's tournaments or fights or, you know, something to, to get people excited for. Yeah. Like they could do like, again, we talk about compelling fights. Listen, I understand Ryan Bader has his fans and he has his haters. I like Ryan very, very much, 
Um, but like Ryan as a champion fighting Francis Ngannou, is it as big as him fighting John Jones or, or Sergey Pavlovich or whatever? No, it's not. We're not going to lie and say it is, but at least you could sell it like that. Like Ryan Bader is a legit heavyweight champion and he has legit wins on his record. He has two wins over arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time in Fedor Emelianenko. He has, you know, he's actually, and I'll be honest, I think Ryan Bader's look great as a heavyweight. I think he's actually better as a heavyweight than he was a light heavyweight. You could promote that. Like, I'm not saying it would be the biggest fight in the world, but you could promote Ryan Bader against Francis Ngannou, and there's a little bit of interest there. With Ryan's wrestling and, and, and Francis's power, there's a little bit of interest there. Um, I don't have any interest right now in watching him fight Dennis Goldsoff or Anti Delesia or, you know, Maurice Green or Jorgen DeCastro. None of those fights get me interested for Francis Ngannou, but Ryan Bader is like one legit fight. Or Vadim Nimkov, who's a monster. That dude, if he goes out there and becomes heavyweight champion, now that fight would be interesting, and that's where you talk about co-promotion. Like, that's where you start thinking like ooh, that is interesting maybe we could finally see chris cyborg and kayla harrison fight like oh my god finally like there's fights that can be made and so like yeah right. even if they don't come together let's get some co-promotion going right i'm right there with you i'd love to see it man i think it'd be i think there's a lot of uh, great things that could be done there so we'll see how it all plays out right we're just all sitting on the sidelines hoping that some cool things work out and we have uh i forgot all about ryan bader man like yeah I'd love to see him fight Francis out of all the guys outside the UFC that I'd like to see fight Francis. That is like one of the first names that pops up uh, that, well, not first names. Cause I kind of forgot about it, but <laughs> one of the better names I think that could get potentially give Francis a real run for his money and possibly even win. Well, that's the other thing. Like, there's a lot of danger there. Ryan Bader is like a legit wrestler. He could take Francis down and do to Francis what Stipe right. did. Uh, and <laughs> that might be that might be the fight where they're like, well, maybe we don't want to make this one. Maybe we don't want to take that risk because that might be a very risky fight. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Matt, what you got going on? Obviously, you were down in Kentucky cornering and coaching guys this past week. And what do you got coming up? Oh, man, I got everything coming up. <laughs> um. A lot of training, man. Uh, well, let's see. July 1st, I got a couple guys that are going to be doing some kickboxing up in Akron, Ohio. That's going to be, uh, you know, one of the first real kickboxing events that's been put on here in Ohio for many years, uh, Extreme Kickboxing by Ryan Madigan. So I'm really happy to see that. Um, we got a couple guys fighting up there. Um, I'm working hard on my online courses, trying to get all this worked out where – I can educate the masses online and and get this program going for everyone. I think it's going to be a great thing, man. I, I love to get all the knowledge out there and provide value for as many people as I possibly can. And, you know, the Internet is a way to do that these days. So that I'm putting a lot of effort and energy into that, working on this ebook um, for a strength and conditioning manual with Dustin Myers. Um, you know, just so much stuff working on, man, trying to, get things out there more and you know I'm, I'm really enjoying educating people and helping people uh, learn and become better fighters and you know and, and not even just better fighters just be a stronger human beings more resilient human beings help people get into shape and improve their lives and if we could do that through the martial arts which is my specialty then that makes me a happy fulfilled person and that's really what it's all about so that's kind of my big focus right now but trying to stay in shape also so that hopefully Again, late late fall, early winter, or maybe into next year, I can um, get back into the cage and you know and and go through another war. Um, got a lot going on this summer though, so it's definitely going to be 
uh, fall or winter at the earliest and probably, you know, maybe UFC 300. If, Jim Miller, latest, UFC but, 300. <laughs> what yeah, that, that's kind of what, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So uh, we got a lot of things going on right now, man. Those online courses are so amazing. I think I've told this story before. When I was a kid and I first got into MMA, um, I lived, you know, you kind of like you did, lived in a small town in Ohio. We had no access to like training except like karate schools and stuff. And so I ordered a three video set of Frank Shamrock teaching you the basics of MMA. And that's how I first learned how to do MMA was from videotapes of Frank Shamrock teaching you back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, that's that's the early, early mid I think it was the mid 2000s or like 2004 2005 whatever it was but anyways like that's like my first exposure to like learning so those online courses are really beneficial like you really can learn from those kind of things like I learned stuff that when I actually did train like I used I could execute that so yeah those online courses are great that's and like I said we live in the digital age like why not reach more people that way maybe somebody can't come to Columbus and train at a mortal martial arts exactly. center but they want to learn from Matt Brown okay well here's your way to do it that's so funny. I never realized that. Like that was the first DVD or or VHS, whatever the owl I ever got. Also was <laughs> Frank Shamrock. I was I was practicing these leg locks in the fucking living room. Just couldn't figure it out for shit. You know? <laughs> uh, and you know those were so rudimentary back in the day. And uh, you know th there's so many online courses out there now. You know, so I'm I'm gonna try and build one that's you know a little different. You know, try to make it a little bit better. And, um, you know, show everybody all the things that I've learned over all these years. And that's kind of what my second half of my life is kind of what I'm pushing towards is, you know, the most of my first half of my life has been about building myself. And um, again, I never call it selfish because it's not selfish what we do as fighters, but yeah, there is a lot of, um, you know, uh, self-centric, you know, it's, everything is really about me, right? Like trying to make more money and trying to uh, become champion and build myself to the best martial artist I could be. So the second half of my life, I wanted to be all about giving, giving back, helping others uh, uh, reach their goals. And, you know, if I can even just have a small part in a lot of people's journeys, then that means a lot to me. So, you know, there'll be a lot of education that I'm going to be working on getting out to the masses pretty soon. And, um, it's taken a lot longer than I expected it to. It's a lot more work than I expected, but I'm going to make sure that I do it right and make sure that I do it well uh, rather than kind of get it out there half-assed. I love it. I love it. Well, we'll have lots more to talk about that, and we'll definitely continue to talk about the online courses. Obviously, um, you can always uh, follow Matt. I am the immortal on uh, Instagram and Twitter for updates, everything going on over there. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Fighter versus Rider. We're finally moving into some bigger cards. Obviously, we got International Fight Week coming up in a couple weeks. Alexander Volkanovsky, Yair Rodriguez, we'll be talking about that. And uh, of course, this weekend, UFC down in Jacksonville with Josh Emmett and Ilya Taporia. That's a solid fight. So we'll talk some of the follow up mm -hmm. from that next week so uh matt anywhere else anything else you want to plug before we get out of here you know you gotta check out the immortal coffee at the immortal the no crash coffee make coffee not excuses let's go i love it i love it everyone we appreciate you tuning in to another edition of the fighter versus the writer check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms apple podcast spotify and of course over on the best website in the world mmafighting.com we will see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer thanks for tuning in and we'll see you then
The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. 